All right, well, we have a few people that are finishing up and grabbing their seats here. I think we'll get started. Thank you all for, for coming down. I'm honored by you descending the steps and coming down here to hear about a pretty polarizing topic, something that we, uh, it's a very touchy subject, something that's divisive for us. And we're going to be talking about the topics of entertainment and music and technology and a bunch of those words that we'll get to in just a bit. I hope tonight and this week that here in this, uh, in this session we can have a time of learning and a, and a time of growth uh, for each of us as we talk about these subjects that are pretty culturally relevant. They matter to us today. I hope that you are committed to not just hearing things and not just uh, getting head knowledge, but that you are committed to maybe if it takes changing some of your habits and some of your actions um, and uh, I hope that you're willing to do that. Um, maybe some, some of us will be able to, to form new convictions and things that we believe uh, through this time and, and hopefully discuss some things as well. Let's start with prayer. Lord, we come to you tonight, and I offer this evening up to you. I pray that you would take uh, my feeble words and that you would, um, you would speak here tonight. I pray that as we talk about these, these subjects, uh, that are relevant, I pray that we would focus on how we can show the culture who you are. Be with us in your name we pray. Amen. There's a few things that make a topic like this pretty scary to talk about, and I want to start by recognizing the diversity in this group. We have a wide range of people here, and if we were to take a poll of a favorite song or a favorite genre or artist or any other thing, we would come up with a very, very wide variety here tonight. And some of the people would say that, well, that stuff is boring. And some of the people that say that this stuff is good would in turn say that stuff that they listen to is bad. And so we have a, a wide um, variety of music that we listen to. And so that's part of what makes a discussion like this hard. Uh, connected to, to that fact is that we do face different things. And part of that is our age. And so some of you um, grew up in, a, in generations older than I and, and generations older than a lot of the youth where you, you didn't have a lot of the things that we face today. Um, and I'm honored that you are down here and, and I want to uh, say that maybe you are the ones that should be talking uh, to me and to us. But uh, maybe that gives you even more of a reason to be here, uh, to, to learn about some of the things that we're facing and, and uh, hopefully you can understand some of the things that, that my generation faces. It's a bit scary uh, when, for you to just shake your head and throw up your hands and say, well, I just don't know what they're talking about when Facebook or Pandora or many other things come up because it is good to know about those things. Those are the things that your children are facing and those are the things that you should be aware of. Uh, talking about age brings up another thing. I am very young and uh, maybe incompetent or ill-fit uh, to give this, to claim any knowledge or to give this talk. And I clearly recognize that there are some men here who are very qualified for this. And hopefully I'll be able to pull some of your knowledge in, in some discussion times. I want to make sure that uh, you do talk up uh, in the times that I give you. Um, it was interesting to me as I studied how many times I was distracted by the very things that I'm going to be talking about, by technology and by social media and things like that. So I do not claim any uh, mastery or any, in any way uh, feel like I'm completely qualified. And so many of the things that challenge 
me are the things that I'll be talking about, and hopefully they can challenge you as well. I'll do my best to follow Paul's advice to Timothy to be an example to the believers in word and in spirit, uh, and sorry, in word and conversation, in charity and faith and purity. And then there's another thing that makes conversations about music and entertainment and and that those words a little touchy, and that is the fact that when we agree with something, we give hearty amens and we say, "Oh yes, that's exactly what we believe," but. Uh, when things are not exactly, maybe they'll go, maybe they challenge you. Maybe they go a little against uh, what you think. And in those times, uh, we kind of react in a number of negative ways. And some of those is, is we kind of put a target on, on the carrier of those words. We become defensive or we tune the speaker out. Or uh, we say that, that, that those things don't just mat, they don't really matter. Someone, someone asked me, one of my friends asked me why I'm doing a, a talk like this, and I said, oh, it's easy. I just want to make more friends, and I figured this would be a good way. And I said, no, I'm kidding. Because one of, these, one of the things is that you do become kind of a target. And so I want to be careful not to be misunderstood. I want to be careful not to offend you, if I can. And I'm going to, to try not to do either of those. One other quick note that I hope to come back to at the end of the evening. It's really easy on a topic like this to, for it to seem all negative. For us to talk about, uh, we cry the blues about how terrible our culture is and how we are just declining and sliding and how millennials are messing things up. And we, we, we kind of cry the blues. It's a negative thing. And one of the things that we need to realize is the ultimate reality that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. And there is, no, there is not anything else that can, that can change that fact. It is, it's not just a spiritual truth. It is the singular truth of the universe. And the entire story of, of our human existence centers on that fact that Jesus is risen from the dead. And there's nothing that we can ever do that will put him back in the grave. So uh, this can be a positive topic for us as well. I'm not sure what you think of when you think of the word media. And I already have given some other words that we talk about. So I have on the whiteboard here, uh, we're going to write down synonyms for media. And then we're, gonna, we're also going to talk about a medium that we can get those through. Interestingly enough, media is just the plural of medium. Medium is the way that we get those things. So I would like to have a few synonyms or words that mean the same thing as media. And we already have two of them on the, on the uh, subtitle on the on the previous slide. What are some synonyms for media? Entertainment. Entertainment. Good. Keep them coming. What else? Should I go back? Should I go back a slide? There we go. What else are we talking about? Amusement. Amusement. Okay. Another one? Technology is on that slide. Good. Social media. I'm going to put that on a medium. This is how we get these things. So I'm going to write that on this side. News, okay. Communication. Communication. So we're going to, we're going to get the um, <coughs> definition of media in just a bit. And we'll see that it's simply the communication of ideas. 
Anyone, anything else? On this side, okay, how do we get these things now? We, we have social media. What are some other ways that we have entertainment and, and uh, amusement and technology invading our homes? Music, all right. And that could possibly be on, on this side as well. What else? Movies. Movies, good. These are topics that apply to our church, right? We're talking about uh, brotherhood agreements, and these are things that we're talking about. What else? Portable devices. Okay, portable devices. I'm just going to write phones, but it, it is more than that. All right. So this is the things that we're talking about here. Now, here's a definition of media that I, um, I like. It is the means of communication as radio, television, newspapers, magazines, and the Internet that reach or influence people widely. Media is not just simply news. It's not just reporters that are talking or writing in the paper. Media is much more than that. It is the things that are in our homes. It is uh, phones and, and many more things like that. So how do we as Christians live in a culture where there's tremendous cultural pressure? There's things coming in from the outside. Here's the good news. We're not the first Christians to ever face this. In fact, uh, we're going to go to a place in the Bible where there was tremendous cultural pressure. And I'm going to give a little assignment here to figure out how to live in a time of increasing cultural pressure. Here it is. Read First Peter. Read First Peter. So uh, we're going to look at First Peter, and I actually, I, um, we already got some other words for media. So I'm going to read First Peter one, verse one. And we'll be coming back to that, so you can kind of keep your finger there, even after I read this verse. It says, "Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are exiles in the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia." And Bithynia. So you say, what's so important about all these cities? These are Christians that were in Jerusalem, and because of the dispersion, they were pushed out. Now, what's the dispersion? Can anyone tell me what that is? And why? Persecution. Persecution from who? Rome. Rome, and specifically, who was the emperor? Nero. Okay, tremendous tremendous cultural pressure, something that we can't really even relate to. Maybe our brothers and sisters in, in persecuted countries like uh, China and Syria and some of those can relate to it. But if you want to figure out how to react to cultural pressure, read First Peter. Maybe you have some other things. Uh, in Whenever I, this, the topic of this uh, this session came up, people would say, oh, you should read this book. Or you should uh, read something, a verse in the Bible. Maybe some of you have, have books. And I'm just going to pause here and ask if any of you have any uh, good books. So maybe perk your ears if this topic interests you. Any, any books that you've read real quick? Can you say the title again? Lexus in the Olive Tree. Lexus in the Olive Tree. Um, it's pretty, it's, it's a hit book. It's not, it doesn't, all, it doesn't talk about technology, but it talks about business. <coughs> okay. Yeah. 
any others. <coughs> a lot of people mentioned the book Hashtag Struggles. So that's a culturally relevant term. So uh, that's, a, that's a good book, and, and I did read that book as well. Um, there's a book called The Shadows. That's a good book. And the, uh, the, the book that I'm kind of basing, uh, that I based the title on really, is, is Amusing Ourselves to Death. It's a book written by Neil Postman in 1985, and we're going to be coming back uh, to that book. Today we live in a celebrity-driven culture. It's, it's where we get our philosophy. It's where we get our theology. It is a tremendous force. It's the most powerful force in our culture. In other cultures, heroes made history. In our culture, they make CDs and touchdowns. And that's who we, that's how, this is where we live. This is the culture around us. What's it like to live in a world where people can't name two Supreme Court justices, but they can name all of the judges on all of the singing TV shows? What's that like? How, how can we live as Christians there? Well, there's a few approaches that Christians have taken, and, and we'll talk about this uh, more on a later no, uh, night. But the first one is that, is that we become offended by it. And so what we do is we withdraw. We come out of it. And I think there's a lot of protection in this one. It's a pretty safe route to take. And it's somewhat how we have historically done as Anabaptists. We've withdrawn from many things in our culture, even education sometimes, right? So it's easier for us to question it and for us to make sure that it's practical and things like that. And that's good. The problem is in doing this, we don't completely follow Christ's command to be in the world, but not of it. On the flip side, there's probably an even more dangerous option where, uh, and, and some of this you see happening to people that you know and love. And that is that they become so distracted by culture that we become completely assimilated. We are in the world and of the world. We become distracted to the point uh, where we completely look like the rest of the world. And the American uh, church, that, this describes the American church, where the divorce rate, the abortions that are happening in the church are just about identical to that happening in the world or outside of the church. It's not any different. So in this approach, we're in the world and we're of the world. If we're distracted, there are some things that happen. And we forget that sometimes uh, there are significant moral issues that we ought not give up in this, in this fight for, um, for what, we, what we should have on this earth. In the name of being relevant, we, we give up on ground that we shouldn't. The other thing... Uh, and we'll talk about this, that we do is, is we take something from the world and we put a Christian label on it and produce it ourselves. The biblical approach is to be distressed by the world so that we engage it. We need to remember that culture is made up of, of people and their ideas, and we need to engage that culture, and we need to go into that culture. One of the things that has happened in Christian culture, and this is an idea that comes from Francis Schaeffer, and that's that we see things in kind of bits and pieces. Uh, we think about this law or that song or that artist or that genre, and we, we all kind of we separate it into little, little bits and pieces which make us approach culture with the wrong first question. It's not a bad question. And it's a question that we need to come to, but it's a question that we, uh, that's maybe not a good first question. Here it is. 
where do we draw the line? Where should I draw the line on my music? Where should I draw the line on my movies? And that's a good question. That's a common one, right, that we face. What we settle on is that everything on this side of the line is good and everything on that side of the line is bad. Now, this used to work much better. Um, where we had Christian music was good, rock music was bad, and now we have Christian rock. Now what do we do? Is it Christian or is it rock? Is it good or is it bad? And we uh, were able in the past to much, easy, much more easily uh, restrict the medium that, that things came to us through. The medium is how something comes to us. And some of you grew up in the day, I, I might say some, some details wrong here, but you grew up in the day where, where uh, fixed 8-track players in your cars were illegal. And why were they illegal? Because it kept the bad stuff out. It was a line. The problem is that those pressures invaded our homes. We don't even need to go places. We don't need to go to theaters because we have access to movies. We don't have to go anywhere. You know what? We don't even have to walk across the room anymore because we carry it around in our pockets. We, we carry these little glowing rectangles around and they distract us. So we have to decide what we're going to listen to, what we're going to watch, what we're going to read, what we're going to be a part of. And that's important, but that's maybe not the first good question. In fact, I want you to see, as Peter introduces to these exiles what he wants to talk about, he begins by talking about their salvation. 1 Peter 1, 3, and 4, this is in the message. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Do you see what just happened? In order to begin this, Peter said, wait a minute, to talk about the cultural moment, don't forget what is the ultimate truth of life. See, we forget that the cultural moment we live in is just that. It's a moment. But the truth about life in the world, the ultimate truth, the, the much bigger truth than just the cultural moment is is what Jesus said, and John the Apostle quoted it in, in the book of Revelation. Behold, Jesus said, I am making all things new. I'm making all things new. The true story we live in is the, is the very real, it's not the very real cultural moment we live in. The true story is much greater than that. What Peter wants us to know when we say that Christianity is true, we, he doesn't mean that it's just a truth, it is the singular truth. It's truth with a capital T. It doesn't matter if we believe it or not. It's just true. It's still true. So that's why I'm, in, I'm proposing that instead of asking where do we draw the line, um, we should ask another question first. John Stone Street, who I got a lot of this information from at a Maxa Teachers Convention where I was furiously taking notes, he, is, uh, he suggests this question. He says, what is our salvation for? How do we live as a Christian in today's world? And I'm going to let you hang in there on that question, and we're going to come back to that in another night. We live in a very noisy culture. 
where there are screens and there is information and it demands our attention all the time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There has been entertainment in, in cultures past. Rome had it uh, for one, but not like today. When is there not entertainment? There's basically entertainment all the time, right? When we walk into Walmart, instead of noticing if the TVs are off, we notice if they're, we, instead of noticing that they're on, I'm sorry, we notice that if they're off because they just should be on. When we walk into a, a store or a restaurant, we don't notice if there's music playing, we notice if it's quiet because we're so used to the noise. When you get into your car, what's the first thing that happens when you turn the key? What comes on? The stereo, right? In most public, some of the most public places in America. Nobody talks to each other because they're so engaged in their own little worlds. We're alone together. The subways of New York City are very quiet places in which you put your earbuds in and you pull out your phone and you do your own thing. Airports, crowds of people, and yet everyone's doing their own little thing. Nobody talks to each other. Here's an honest question and one that Glenn Miller talked about in devotions last week. He, said, he asked the question, what's it going to take for us to actually be still and know that he is God? Our culture is completely dominated by entertainment or any of those other words that you want to give. So how do we approach it? Well, I love Paul's approach in Acts chapter 17. It's a biblical approach to culture. And I apologize for picking uh, bits and pieces here. But this is in Acts 17, if you want to look at, look at that. Here's what it says. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogues as well as in the marketplace day by day. Paul said, men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walk around and look carefully at your objects of worship, and what you see Paul doing here is he is approaching a culture that is a lot like America is. America is today. They love to worship things. And Paul is distressed uh, to find that the city is full of idols. In fact, historians have said that it was easier in ancient Athens to find an idol or a god than it was to find an actual human being. There were more idols than humans. And what happened was they, had, they actually turned the marketplace into a temple or a shrine, um, so much so that they, there was no marketplace, and so the Romans had to come and build another marketplace because the other, their previous one had been turned into a place of immorality or a place of idol worship. By the way, just a side note here, what are two things? I'm looking for two things. What are two things that happen whenever there is idol worship? There was in Athens, and they, these two things might sound familiar. What happens? Immorality and, okay, there's, there's, there's music involved, sacrifice of children, killing babies. Does that sound familiar? Immorality and killing babies? Does it sound like America? So Paul walked into a culture that was out there, but look what he does. He goes, he says, uh, men of, right here, men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very going to hell. No, he actually puts a pretty good twist on it. He says, you are very religious. See, Paul studied their culture. And in their sermon, on, in, in his sermon on Mars Hill, the first thing he did was quote one of their poets. 
And the second thing he did was quote one of their philosophers. He understood the times. So how do we approach it? How do we approach culture? Here's the framework. God has given us the text. God has given us the scripture. And the scripture drives our agenda. It tells us right from wrong. It tells us that we're supposed to love God. It tells us that we're supposed to love our enemies. It tells us to love our neighbors and our enemies. It tells us uh, in scripture what we are supposed to do. Scripture, the Bible, gives us our agenda for how we are supposed to live here on earth. The hard part is that the agenda needs to be lived out in the present and in a culture that was never necessarily mentioned in the Bible. There's a lot of things that are in the Bible, sorry, there's a lot of things that are in culture that we face that are never in the Bible, and vice versa. There's a lot of things that are in the Bible that aren't in our culture. Like, I don't know about you, but I didn't wake up this morning and say, oh no, there's Philistines outside. Now, if there were good news, there's over 30 chapters in the Bible that tell us what to do. It's mostly fast and pray, but that's good, right? Now, what happened when we woke up this morning is we looked outside and we said, oh no, there's American politics. Oh no, there's ISIS. Oh no, there's musicians and movie stars and the Super Bowl. And those are things that are not mentioned necessarily in the Bible. The point is that we have questions that are created by our culture that drive us back to the text. We live in a context, not the text, but we live in the context, our times, and those, that context, context gives us questions and drives us back to, this, to the text. Do not think that these are equal players. Okay? There is one that matters much more here, and that is the text. One of, the, one of these has authority over our lives and dominates our thinking. We do not live in a vacuum. We don't live in, in some disconnected reality. We live in the world, in this moment. And that means that we need to know the Bible and what it says, and we need to know what's going on in culture. So what we do many times is we, have, we paint with broad strokes and we draw lines that talk about exegeting our culture. Do you know what that word exegesis means? Exegeting our culture. That means to, to dig out what it actually means, to uncover it, to break it down so that we can understand it. As I mentioned before, one of the, one of the books that I read in preparation for this talk, uh, for these sessions, is an old book by Neil Postman called Amusing Ourselves to Death. And I'll continue to talk about this as we go along here. And he puts things very, very well in this, in this book. And he says that rather than condemning culture, we need to think and about how we should live well in a culture that's dominated by media and entertainment. So, how do we exegete or break down or uncover media? Well, the first thing to realize is that it is powerful and it shapes our culture. As I said before, the cultures in, in, in past, the cu past cultures... Their heroes made history. In America, we ha our heroes make CDs and touchdowns. 
We turn to celebrities. We schedule our lives around them. Sometimes it's in intentional ways, like Super Bowl Sunday. 115.5 million people schedule their lives around this one game. And they want to, make, to watch this American football. And some of us are included in that number, right? It's coming into our church. It's not just out there. We stop the world on Super, Day, Super Bowl Sunday. Sometimes we subconsciously schedule our lives around entertainment. It looks like this. Walk into the doctor's office or stand in line at a checkout line or sit and wait at a restaurant. And what happens? Out come these little glowing rectangles. And we have 15.2 seconds and we say, okay, what does Facebook have for me today? And we fill our time. There's never a quiet moment. And whenever there is, we fill it. We fill it with media. What's it going to take to be still and know that he's God? We are the first culture to be completely defined by entertainment. Now, as I mentioned before, it happened in the past. It happened in Rome, and it happened in some other places, but not 24 hours a day, not seven days a week. When is there not entertainment at your fingertips? Michael Medved said there is no culture in America other than popular culture. In history, there was high culture, things like art and things like classical music and even some of the hymns that we sing. And then separate from that and and not really related at all, there was popular culture. In our culture, that has been blended together. And now we have popular artists, right? There's not, a, there's not really a sense of growing in our taste. And as a result, art is reduced to a personal taste. And we say, if I like it, then it's good. And that's, that sounds a lot like postmodernism. This even happens when we're listening to sermons, right? We want to worship and we want to be challenged, sure. But we sure don't want it to be boring. There was, a, there was a time in my life when I thought that the, the preacher, the value of a preacher or the value of a sermon was based on how many funny stories he told or how many good statistics he gave. Or we say, that was boring because he talked over my head. Well, maybe we're too short. Maybe we need to, maybe we need to grow up. Or you say, I have, a, I have a short attention span. I can't read books. Well, maybe we need to grow one. Maybe you need to grow one. We're not a victim of of our circumstances. Maybe the, maybe the best sermon that we ever listened to was one that we thought was boring because uh, our taste wasn't good enough and we didn't know that it was, it was good. Entertainment dumbs us down. And when, when high culture and popular culture mix, uh, we think the sum total of whether something is good or not is on us and what we like. So I like this song by this artist and so it's good. But that acapella song... That has good theology, but maybe it's just a little slow. That's not good. We, we say that what we have, what our opinion is, is what really matters. And that's not true. We say it's just entertainment when we're talking about it. And that's not true. Entertainment, entertainers themselves say that's not true. Uh, music television says at MTV, we don't shoot for 14-year-olds. We own them. Courtney Love, who is a, I don't, I don't know completely who she is, but it's not somebody that we should model our lives after. She says, I feel I have a duty. I, as an architect, have a need to impose my worldview on the culture. And I could give you more examples of singers and artists out there 
who are very blatant about trying to draw their followers to a certain spot. And many times that's not to a good spot. It's in a bad direction. This is nothing new. Plato said that when the mode of the music changes, the walls of the city shake. What he's saying there is that what happens in art is just as important as what happens in government. What happens in art is as important as what happens in government. That's how powerful entertainment is. It shapes our moral beliefs. Andrew Fletcher, who's having a great hair day when he wrote this, <laughs> said this powerful thing. If a man were permitted to write the ballads of a nation, he need not care who writes its laws. If a man were permitted to write the ballads of a nation, he need not care who writes its laws. I love, though, uh, what Dostoevsky wrote. Dostoevsky, the great Russian novelist, says, First art will imitate life, then life will imitate art, then life will find its very meaning from the arts. This is very true. Back in the day, there was news and there was entertainment, and they were separate. Now, or late after that, we suddenly had news about entertainment. And so whatever a celebrity does, now it's news. So there was this divorce or something happened and now it's news. An actor does something and it, and it makes the news. Now, what's, what's even worse than that, and this is something that Neil Postman said would happen. This was over 30 years ago in 1985. He said it's the ultimate indication of, of whether or not a culture is becoming dumber. We went from having news and entertainment to having news about entertainment and now what do we have? We have entertaining news. Da, 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 psh, tonight. And it's all hyped up and crazy boom, boom, voices driven. And so we, we now don't have real discussions about real issues because we have news about silly things, right? The crazy thing is is that if it doesn't entertain us, if something doesn't entertain us, then we miss it. Then we skip it. If I have to watch an ad first, then I'm just not going to watch the video at all. Maybe that's good, right? If a website doesn't load in 0.2 nanoseconds, then well, we'll just skip it. It's not worth it. If it doesn't entertain us, we move on. And there has to be this self-perpetuating feeding of our taste so that we can continually, continually, always be entertained. And if we're not, then we're bored, right? And this does something to us. No longer can we distinguish between top topics that are actually good for us to talk about and worthy of our attention, uh, and we can't, we can't distinguish between those and these silly little arguments. That don't matter. It keeps us from thinking clearly. I've been talking a lot here. What are some other ways that culture shapes us? Maybe practical ways. How many of you use your phone for your alarm clock? What else? Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, 
We do it too. <laughs> That's good. We influence, they influence us more than we influence them. That's for sure. <laughs> That's for sure. So how does entertainment shape our culture? We know that it powerfully shapes our culture, right? Well, it's loaded with ideas. It embodies worldviews. It's maybe some of the, the false prophets that we heard about, but it's just kind of in sheep's clothing. And maybe it's not even necessarily uh, false prophets. It's, it might be things that kind of just sneak in. Now, this is pretty obvious that, that um, in a, okay, in a, in a college classroom, some of these worldviews might be debated or argued but what can be even more dangerous is that sometimes these, these ideas are smuggled in. And we watch things and listen to things that we don't even know. Uh, we, we're just taking part in it. Uh, C.S. Lewis put it brilliantly. He said, the most dangerous ideas in a society are not the ones that are argued. Not the ones that are argued, but the ones that are smuggled in. Uh, sorry, I lost my place here. Not the ones that are argued, but the ones being assumed. Homosexuality is one of these things. Culture shifted on entertainment to where it was normal to have homosexuality, and nobody, nobody, I don't think anybody, maybe, maybe, maybe some people, but 30 years ago, nobody thought that we would be facing the things that we are today. But because of entertainment, it became accepted, and so we have these things that we're faced with today. This is what we need to understand, that everything, everything has a worldview. And if everyone you meet has a worldview, then so does every actor and so does every musician. So if everyone has a worldview, every cultural expression communicates some kind of worldview beliefs. It's trying to tell you how to think. It's trying to tell you how to live. It's trying to tell you what actually matters. And whether you recognize it or not, everything, everything that we watch and listen to is telling you something. And I think we'll pick up there tomorrow night. Let's pray, and then you will be dismissed. Lord, I pray that through our discussion and our talk on technology, that you would help us to understand and to see what it looks like to live as Christians in this world. I pray that we would, uh, we would somehow grasp how to live in the world but not of it and that we wouldn't claim all the things that are out there as our own, but that we would live differently. I pray that you would be with us as we go from here. Bless us with a good night of sleep and a good day tomorrow. In your name we pray. Amen.